Right, there we go. Welcome back to my second hour on air right here on Radio Pulpit 657 AM, your daily companion from Gauteng to the Cape. A special shout out to our people across the borders of South Africa tuning in. Uh, Chris, they just said hello all the way from Australia. We've got listeners tonight from uh, the country of Jordan. Can you believe that? People as far as the United States tuning in tonight, Israel tuning in tonight, uh, Mumbai and India shall stay and tuning in every Monday. It's so awesome to have people from around the world. All right, so um, off air, myself and my guests specifically discussed what is our mandate tonight, what are we going to do tonight. So we're not going to waste too much time. Uh, an hour is not enough time to cover the content of what we want to bring across to the Church of South Africa. Uh, this is very, very, very important. We know for a fact that the enemy is going to try and quiet us. We know that, and we have been blessed with someone like Reverend Paul Coupe to inform us as a church what is our responsibility. And we really want to ask that if you are listening to us live now, whether you're listening through a podcast, if you are listening via Fight, Facebook, wherever you are listening, take this podcast, make sure you distribute this to as far as wide to the church world, distribute it to your pastors, to your church leaders, pastors, distribute this to the congregation. This has got nothing to do with a specific church, this has got to do with the church of Christ, and we're going to discuss very important information. Before we go any further, if you've got any questions regarding our next hour on air, then please send those questions off to me. It's Dwayne at radiopulpit.co.za. I'll spell that Dwayne for you. It's D-W-W. A-I-N. If you're listening live, please send us a WhatsApp on 0826572729. This is probably one of my, I don't want to say more important shows, but for me, this is very close to my heart because my people will perish due to a lack of knowledge. The church will perish if we do not take the knowledge that's given to us this evening and make our voices heard in the Parliament of South Africa. Africa. So without any further ado, Reverend Paul Kupai, it's once again a privilege having you. How are you, Rev? I'm great. Thank you, Duane. And I'm so grateful once again for, you know, you providing a platform where we can discuss these things that really will have a, such a great impact and influence on our lives. And um, I know that legislation is not maybe necessarily everybody's favorite topic, but I think we need to understand that legislation uh, actually dictates our conduct, our behavior. The law is what determines what we can do and what we cannot do. When people want to change a nation, they use the law to change your conduct. So they will criminalize certain behavior um, and make it difficult or impossible for you to to behave in such a way, and they will um, decriminalize other certain behaviors. So I really hope that you know the body of Christ is listening and that they understand that they as as a body of Christ we are supposed to be a legislative body so i want to thank you once again Dwayne i think we were here 5 weeks ago when we started talking about the papuda bill and you know i was started to raise up an alarm and i know i'm not the only one out there talking about the papuda bill uh, i've got a lot of colleagues out there for sa freedom of religion south africa has been at the forefront of this battle with my good friend Nadine Badenhurst and um, on Friday we hosted Michael Swain also in Pretoria he flew down from Cape Town to engage with uh, some of the leaders in Pretoria so there are a number of people out there talking about Papuda and we need to listen and not just listen but we need to act well, Rev, as I introduced you and as we opened up the show this evening I don't know why um, <laughs> I don't know why, Rev, please just put me in line if I'm out of line. But there's this urgency that came over me. There's almost like this emergency creed that I want to scream out to the churches of South Africa. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest things that breaks my heart is I've recently been in the presence of church leaders without mentioning names. And their words was, let's just stick to the gospel. Politics has got nothing to do with us. <laughs> don't pull the church into legislation. Rev, just before we yeah. continue with the Papura Bill, let's just lay the platform. Yeah. Last, the last time you were here, you gave us the godly responsibility that the church has towards politics and legislation. Yeah. Please just lay that ground form for us again. Well, first of all, let me just, you know why I laughed a little bit at what you said, let's just preach the gospel. First of all, if this act is actually passed, 
nobody's going to be preaching the gospel. (laughs) You won't Mm. even be able to Mm. preach the gospel because half of what you would want to preach from the Bible in terms of the word would be defined as hate speech, would be defined as discrimination. So that gospel which you were so desperate to preach and which we must preach, um, we're going to be stopped from doing that. If you think that that is our only responsibility, then let me tell you right now that part of the this legislation that we're going to be discussing today is to silence the church. So yeah. Because everything that the mm. church calls sin, in terms of our faith, we start from the premise of, of sin, acknowledging your sin, and then confessing your sin, and entering into a relationship with Yeshua HaMashiach. So now, unfortunately, what this legislation mm. purports to do or wants to do is now uh, define everything that we call sin, they want to define it as discriminatory. So the minute you begin to preach about sin, they say that's hate speech, that's discrimination, and you either go to jail or you pay a fine, money or, or something, or you're interdicted. You are stopped. Um, I'll give you an example. For instance, the fact that our script, you know, our Bible tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and the only way. Well, if this bill gets passed, you can't say that. You, you will not be able to say that. There will be people who will say, you are being discriminatory. How can you say that your God is the only way? You understand? So let's understand this correctly. As as much as the church for a lot of years sat on the back seat of the car and said that this has got nothing to do with us, we've got to understand that the people not attending church will not raise their voices for the specific thing. Yeah. And if we as a church do not raise our voices, our voice might be taken away. It may absolutely be taken away, but aside from that, I think in our last conversation, we got to sort of do a little mini Bible study around the word Mm. church and the original meaning of the word church from the Greek text when Yeshua was talking in Matthew 16, 18 and making that very profound statement to say that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And the word that was used for my church in that text was ecclesia. I will build my church, my ecclesia, which comes from two root words, ekkaleo, which means the called out ones. So Yeshua was really saying, I will build not a building with cement and bricks or face bricks, but I will build my generation of consecrated and set apart people who have been set apart to legislate and bring my kingdom to come on earth and govern and rule and operate as my national assembly Mm. on earth and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this people. So we need to understand fundamentally, first and foremost, that the church is a legislating body. It is supposed to be a legislating body. It is supposed to be providing the direction and the way. The salt. Salt determines the taste, the flavor, everything. Mm. It influences the light. Light gives the direction. Occupy and do business till I come. Take dominion in Genesis one twenty six. Have authority. All of that is speaking around the legislative mandate of the body of Christ and our duty and responsibility to be that compass and to be that thermostat, which not only checks the temperature, but actually determines the temperature. All right, so Rev, we're not talking only about churches. We're talking about independent schooling that follows a a Christian curriculum. We're talking about all of those. But before we get into Paputa specifically, please just explain the the procedures in which these bulls, how do they go? Where do they go? Is it a green paper before it's a, a white paper? Where do we intercede? Because the previous time you said something pretty ironic. You said it takes less effort to stop a bull becoming legislation than what it is to amend a bull after it's been legislated. Yeah. Please just explain the procedures and where are we now and why must the church raise their voices now? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have to raise our our voices now because basically, you know, there are a number of processes that a bill goes through before it can actually um, be passed. And there are a number of steps. And, you know, almost at the time that um, it gets for public comment, 
it's almost at the last stages, to be honest with you. It's almost at the last stages. So you have uh, a number of various procedures where, you know, the bill obviously has to be passed. It, it has to be drafted. And after drafting, you know, it has to be signed um, by a particular house or by a particular, w- w- within a certain committee, you know, that you have discussions and all of that. And then the bill is now released for public comment. Public comment. And that's after, where we are now. That's where we are now. That's okay. exactly now. So it has to be passed by both houses of parliament in our in our scenario. If it was in the United States, and that's why I use the word house because I grew up in the United States. Yeah, yeah. But if it was in the United States, for instance, you'd be using um, house. But um, t- for us, the bill must be passed by both houses of our parliament. So the, the bill is introduced in the National Assembly, and then it's referred to um, relevant committees. You have different committees that deal with different bills. And then within those committees, it may be amended, may be subject to certain amendments. And then after those amendments, then the bill can be submitted to uh, the public through public hearings. And then it's going to go back again as well. So how vitally important is the public comment role that we play right now? Well, it's vitally important that every individual actually get involved and make a submission. And let me let me say this, because um, we need to work smarter as believers and not harder. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of times we do petitions and we sign our names to petitions. L- let me tell you the breaking news, the reality and the practical reality on petitions. Petitions are good, but petitions operate more um, for educational and informative purposes. Mm. When it comes to practical influence, petition, if you sign... You can be thousands of people signing that petition. It would only count like as one. One petition would only count as, in terms of numbers, one. Because it's one document submitted. Exactly. So you rather want to exactly. submit thousands of documents exactly. instead of thousands of signatures on one petition. You hit it right on the nail. So we need. So we've been signing all these petitions, petition, petition, and we've got oh, we've got ten, fifty, five hundred thousand signatures, etc. On one Listen, petition. it doesn't really mean much, but the submissions. Every individual who makes a submission, it counts as one submission. So as a church, rather put up a computer (laughs) and tell your congregation, there's the email address. Each of you individually go submit something. Absolutely. And you know what's great about this is uh, my colleagues at FORSA, Freedom of Religion South Africa, have actually made it easy. And at the end of, you know, after we discuss Papuda, um, I'll give you directions. You just need to go to the website, FORSA. They actually have made a template you know, where you just go into the website, www.forsa.org, um, and then you can actually go into the, the, the template. When you go there, just look for Papuda Bill template. So you just basically have to fill in, you know, the gaps and put your name to it. And you, we're trying to do that because we know that people are, are pretty lazy. And I think that's why we, we go the petition route. Because petition, you just have to put your name. And someone else did the work. Exactly. You just give a signature. Exactly. And I think also we get sometimes a little bit frazzled by legislation and the wording. If you're not a lawyer, it can be very confusing. And now it's done for you. Now it's been done for you. There's no more excuses, Bazalwani. No more, no more excuses. It's been done. There's a template there. All you have to do is go through it, you know, and, and, and append your name and your signature. It's been done. So there's, there's, there's no excuse around, oh, I don't understand the language or I don't know what to do. Let's get as many. Listen, we're supposed to be at least 80% Christians. Let's behave like we are believers. And let's just for a moment understand that the, the, the theme scripture for our program, Filling the Gap, is train up a child in the way you should go. And when he yeah. grows old, he won't depart from it. But this for me becomes a fundamental problem right now because yeah. if the way I have to train up my child now all of a sudden excludes the Word of God, yeah. then what generation yeah. will we raise up? And this yeah. is a concern to me because this is not just a normal bull. This is the future of yeah. a young generation of people that is the church of yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. So, Rev, we've, 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 I think we've laid the groundwork. We've told churches it's their mandate, it's their, it's their priority, it's, their, it's yeah. their godly responsibility. We know the procedures that these bulls have got to go. Yeah. What is the 
the pewter bowl. Well, before you you said something very important. First of all, around the the influence and the strength of Papuda, I do want to say this, that after the Constitution, I think many of you, even if you're not a lawyer, you would know that the Constitution is the highest piece of legislation that we have. Mm. Meaning that all other pieces of law take their strength from the Constitution. Yes. So if there's a law, for instance, you've got the independent candidates case that was pushed by my friend Michael Louie, who started that case three, four years ago in the Western Cape. And the Constitutional Court made a judgment concerning that. And they ruled essentially that every South African citizen has the right to run for office regardless of of um, of jo- having joined a political party. So you do not need to be a member of a political party to, to run, run as an independent candidate. Now, as a result of that, the Electoral Act is what allows you to run. But the way the Electoral Act is currently phrased now... It doesn't allow for independent candidates to run. Mm. So that means, and what the court did was to give the IEC two years Mm. to get their act together and basically to amend the Electoral Act so that it it now aligns with the constitutional decision. So that's what I'm trying to explain, is that every law, so the electoral law now has to be amended Mm. so that it's in alignment with the Constitution. That's why I said the Constitution is the highest, most supreme law of the land. It has to be aligned. Every piece of legislation must be aligned to the constitutional provisions. Now, second to that, because I I, I want to provide a foundation and a premise. Second to that constitutional, uh, the Constitution will be this act, the Papuda Act. Second to the constitution of the the constitution. So it's in terms of hierarchy, in terms of, you know, so the big boss of the legislation, uh, you know, if we were talking about leaders, we would say the constitution is the president and Peputa will be the deputy president now. But wouldn't, I'm I'm just asking, uh, just based on what you've just said, wouldn't the Peputa Act then contradict uh, the constitution? Within the Constitution, you hear words like uh, every citizen has the right to their own religion, to their own yeah, education, well, to their own... Exactly. Well, that's that's what we need to fight. And that's why we attorneys there actually need to look for that. Because mm. remember, we're pushing back um, against Papuda on the basis of freedom of religion. And um, what mm. we're, we are essentially saying is that this is tantamount to state regulation of faith. They want to regulate our faith um, in every area. You mentioned the, the aspect of raising up children. Proverbs. Well, yes, 22.6, actually. Yes. Yeah, raise, teach and train your child, you know, when they're young. So when they're older, they do not, they, you depart know, from depart it, yeah. from it. And in fact, the Amplified says teach and train them according to their leaning, their bent, and their gift. Mm. You know, so mm. it's a very deep and powerful scripture. But now here's the thing. Um, the state is taking over every aspect. So the state is now determining how we must teach and train our child. By imposing comprehensive sexuality education on us, the state is taking over our own children. By banning us parents who have a faith that says discipline your children and stopping us from spanking our children in, in a, 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 you know, in a, in a godly manner, in a godly that. manner, yeah. not, not to abuse or oppress them. They are regulating the way that we, um, are supposed to raise our children. And at one point I said, listen, if the state wants to take over my, thankfully my children, my youngest is 24. So they're all adults now. But I said, if they want to take over our children, we have to pay the costs. We have to pay the cost for medical costs. I had to pay for braces for my children. I had to pay for private school fees and etc. So if the state really wants to take over, let them start paying our school fees and the braces, etc. They can't take away our parental responsibility to discipline our children. And then they're not going to take the obligations. Of that, that, you know, pertain to raising up those children. They just say, oh no, we, we are the parents. They're replacing us as parents, but they're still making us pay the fees. No! If you're gonna do that, then you cover the fees, you cover her braces, you cover her medical expenses as well. You can't, you know, just have your cake and eat it, or as somebody once said, actually, you can have your cake and eat it, but you can't eat your cake and have it. So, <laughs> Well, just actually a, another example. A, a while ago, I spoke to, to someone that's 
it works in the trade with the sex ed that's going on right now. Yeah. And and I remember when I was at school, the message from our teachers, the message from our government, the message from everywhere was, do not have sex. Sex yeah. is kept for marriage. Exactly. L- let's just let's just fast forward twenty yeah. twenty five years along the li- line. Yeah. Now, without mentioning any state departments, I don't want to do that on a national radio station. Yeah. Now you get condoms dropped off at a school, and you got to distribute that from fourteen years to eighteen year old children, and say, "Have sex, but have it safe." Oh yeah. We've made something that God has given us so cheap, Absolutely. simply because we do not participate in events like this where we can raise our voice and stop the reputable. Absolutely. I mean, parents are now worried because now, you know, attached to that whole CSE and all that thing Mm. is that there are regulations that now follow. So it's not just the law. There are regulations that come in to make sure that that policy can be properly implemented. One of the regulations that follows up as a result of that CSE is the aspect of shared toilets. Yeah. Yeah. So Unisex parents, toilets. Yeah. Exactly. Now parents are like, oh, I don't want my daughter going. In. I said, yeah, but where were you when we were talking against CSE and saying, come, come and stand against it? Because that you, and, and this is the thing that we must realize and I want the body of Christ to understand because many times we don't get involved because we think it's not going to impact us. Let me tell you, whether you are a pastor in the church or uh, an employer, church it member, is, it, church Remember, it's going to impact you as an individual and as a group of an organization. Except if you are an employer, you will be impacted by Peputa. In fact, we're going to go through Peputa right now. And let me tell you, you can be, according to this act, if it gets passed, Dwayne, you as an employer can be held liable for something your employee said. So you know, you need not have said it, but the fact that that person Works is for working you. for you. You will be held liable. I mean, the, 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 the implications are far reaching, far reaching. So you may be completely innocent, not have said anything, but the fact that that person works for you and they made a statement, which according to this bill is, is seen or as, as, as being discriminatory, you as an employer will be held liable, which means as a church, if you have a church worker, out there and your church worker says something out there in their own time. You as a pastor and as a church and as an organization, as a ministry, will be held liable. But let's get to yeah. So it's the biggest threat of to freedom of religion that we may be ever faced in terms of why they're bringing it, their reasons, their reasons, and I want to be very careful, you know, about saying their reasons. They're saying that the act has certain weaknesses and so they are amending it to provide greater protection to people who face unfair discrimination. Well, we know that's not really, really the case and we know that over the years, the last 10, 15 years, really there's been a specific move that's targeted against the church. Mm. And we saw that even during the lockdown. Mm. You know, around closing down of the buildings and all of that. Always a, a strategic move. Because it's not just a one-off move. It's, it's, it's the strategy behind this. Absolutely, it's clear. And that's that's an important thing, Dwayne, because we don't have a strategy as the church. We should. And, and I'm glad. <laughs> well, you know, I was glad when I heard you say that. Listen, let's take this. Let's take the podcast out. Let's give it out to the church. That's a strategy right there. And that's the same strategy that they're using. So we have to counter it. We have the numbers, beloveds. But in terms of the practical, what's happening practical, you would never know that we have the numbers. You would never know. We are supposed to be an 80% majority. But in terms of the conduct, in terms of our legislation, in terms of the policies that are made there, if people didn't know what the statistics showed, nobody would know we're a Christian nation. Because in terms of policies, legislation, conduct behavior, it does not reflect as such. It does not reflect as such. So there are going to be significant um, changes that are going to be made to the, you know, the Papuda Act. Like I've said, it's second only to the Constitution. There are specific provisions that it's going to be addressing. One, you know, the, the prohibition on unfair discrimination. And those sections are dealt with in sections six to nine. 13 and 14 of the act 
Um, there's going to be a pro- prohibition on hate speech again. And we went through another chamorse. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have about five Afrikaans words I know. I like it. So I'm proud of you. I like to hoy them every now and mm, then. Mm, yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> so we went through a, a previous chamorse on hate speech. And thankfully, you know, there was a pushback by some Christians. And Forasay, again, was part of this this um, stand and fight against the hate speech legislation. I think I mentioned it last time. Yes, you did. That the hate speech legislation was also going to silence the church and the body of Christ, and pastors were going to be sent to jail for preaching the Bible, which would have been defined as hate speech. So now, an exception. There's an exclusionary clause that has been ex- that has been included in the hate speech bill, mm. which means that if you preach and it can be shown that you know you you made what may be seen to be hate speech, but you were doing it not with malice and you were doing it um, as, a, as, as part of your preaching, you know, exercising your, your faith and yeah, yeah. good faith and all of that, then you will be excluded from that. But so, where do you draw the line on that, Rev? Exactly. Exactly. Where <sighs> do you draw the line? But that's a good example of the body of Christ and lawyers, you know, representing the body of Christ who at least managed to make some input. So the provisions are going to be focusing on pro- prohibition of unfair discrimination, prohibition on hate speech, and um, also there's a list of what are called unfair unfair practices. So, um, and then in terms of determining, the, the, you know, we when you go to court, we always talk about tests. What are the tests that, that, that apply to show whether there's been discrimination. So in terms of unfair discrimination, one test would be, the first test would be, has there been discrimination? And of course, the person who is bringing a case against you, they have the responsibility to prove that they have been discriminated against. But the reality is when someone takes you to court, then they already felt offended and they feel that they've been discriminated against. Exactly. So the two tests, it's a two-pronged test. One is the court has to determine or the equality, uh, wherever it's taken to, determine has there been discrimination? And if so, was that discrimination unfair? Unfair. Because not every discrimination is unfair in law. Mm. In law, in, let me give you an example of that. For instance, you look at, um, uh, what do you call it, the Employment Equity Act, yes. and affirmative action. That's discriminatory. It is discrimination because you're saying um, prefer a certain groups over another in these instances. But in the instance of affirmative action and employment equity, it's said in law to be fair discrimination because Apparently, you know, it's supposed to be addressing the re- redressing the in- inequalities of 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 of, of the previous inequalities. So that's why it's de- it's deemed as fair discrimination. So in this instance, uh, you got to prove discrimination, and then you've got to prove also that the discrimination was was unfair. Now, the the person alleging discrimination must can lodge a complaint with um, with a court. You know, any equality court, which is through the high court or the magistrate court, or they can lodge them through any of what they call the Chapter 9 institutions. And the Chapter 9 institutions include the SAHRC, that's the Human Rights Council. Mm-hmm. And um, CRL again, yeah. We've uh, the church has had uh, a lot of interaction lot. with the CRL, um, yeah. So so that's that's pretty much that um, in terms of procedure. Um, in terms of who's going to be affected, everybody's going to be affected. Let me tell you. Don't say, oh no, it's just going to affect so and so. It's going to affect individuals. It's going to affect, in particular, religious institutions, ministry organizations, um, Christian adoption agencies, for instance. Mm. Um, it's going to affect um, NPOs, that's non-profit organizations. It's going to affect individuals who are in the ministry, preachers and counselors and ushers and therapists, whoever. All those people, businesses, it's going to um, affect faith-based schools, for instance, especially the independent ones. And like I said, you know, just to give you a a practical example, just by preaching, I think there actually is a case where there's one faith that has brought a case against some Christian organization for saying Jesus is the only way. 
And they're saying that, no, but they're God. You know, why would you say that? That's discriminatory, discriminatory to their faith. You can't say that. So you will not be allowed to preach that Jesus is, is the way, the truth, and the answer, which is scripture in the Bible. And the reality is that for us, the Bible is is everything. The, the Bible is the thing that we choose to, to govern our lives with. Absolutely. But, but we can't use that in yeah. a court of law to say that this is what my Bible says. Exactly. The Bible should stay outside of court Absolutely. and it's up to the court to determine, ir- irrespective of us following the Bible or not. Yeah. The court's got to pass a judgment without yeah. understanding our Bible. Absolutely. And so then how is mm. your freedom of religion right protected? It's not what, freedom what of religion. Is, what is the purpose of having that provision then if your religion has is been regulated by the state and the state has to determine what your religion is now and what's acceptable uh, with regards to your religion. So it's going to impact things like hiring of people as a church. We did actually have a previous case some years ago where um, I know which church it was, but I'm not going to mention it yeah, on yeah, air. Rather not. But yeah, there was a church which was forced to hire um, a worship leader and that worship leader had a, let me put it this way, a different lifestyle. They had a different lifestyle from the traditional Christian one, which we as believers find, you know, to be acceptable according to the principles that are enunciated in our Bible. So um, the court, this case was taken to court and um, the, the, the church was, was instructed to not only reinstate this person because they'd fired him. They fired the person after finding out that the lifestyle was contrary to the traditional Christian lifestyle. They were forced to reinstate this person and pay him damages. I think it was something like six months salary or something like that. So, Rev, also just to give a pastor or perhaps a minister listening right now a bit of perspective is if you are if your ministry is evangelist yeah. and you stand on the pulpit and the Holy Spirit guides you in a exactly. direction to specifically exactly. reprimand a specific sin. Uh, exactly. Right? That sinner yeah. can go and take you to court Absolutely. because he may feel that you are judging exactly. my lifestyle Absolutely. and then the reality is that the word of God is technically irrelevant if it ends up in the court of law uh, you know what we're just going to be captives right there and and it's going to everybody's going to be so filled with fear I mean you talk about Holy Spirit Romans eight fourteen says as many as are led by the Spirit of God shall be called sons of God well many of us the Holy Spirit will, will be scared to even you know submit ourselves to Holy Spirit you know so it's 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 just really taking the carpet from under our feet in terms of how we are supposed to function it's going to allow the state to completely regulate what we can do what we can say what we can you know all of those things and one of the things that the papuda act um is going to be very dangerously doing is really widening the definition of discrimination so it becomes so broad remember within hate speech they tried to do that so that, you know, we would have been caught under that. It was, you know, there was an exclusionary clause that was provision that was placed. So they couldn't do it through the hate speech bill and are now wanting to do it through the Papuda bill where they widen the definition of uh, discrimination and equality so much that it will make it so much easier to charge you under the act. So and what makes this even more challenging, Ref, if I just may come in on this, is you might end up a, a day in court and there's 20 different judges that presides over your case. You don't yeah. know which one you'll end up with. Yeah. And because it's so wide, yeah. 10 different judges would have had 10 different outcomes. Yeah. And eventually, then you've got to follow the one who's on the good mood or bad mood on the day, and we've got to raise our voices, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's extending the scope of unfair discrimination mm, and the mm, definition mm. of equality. There, another thing, there's a term that we say in law called jointly and severally, mm. which means that you can be charged, not just one person, but like a group of you can be charged together. And that's what I was alluding to earlier on when I said that you do not have to have made the state statement yourself personally you can be charged as an employer jointly and severally which mm. means that you are um, you the implication of this is you may be held liable for somebody else's actions just because you employed them so just because you were trying to do the honorable thing um, in South Africa we have a very high unemployment rate you know what is it now 40 or 50 percent now with lockdown after you know post lockdown it must be worse than normal I mm. think normally it's 28 percent now it's probably 40 mm. or more 
for. So you uh, are trying to be a good law-abiding citizen and provide employment. And as a result of trying to be a good law-abiding citizen and providing employment so that others can eat, you may actually be charged, be found jointly and severably, severally liable because you tried to em- employ somebody and that person may have made a, a comment um, and now you are held liable for the actions of your employees. So that's extremely, extremely dangerous. Another thing I think which we need to emphasize is the aspect of um, the payments, how, how these charges are going to actually be paid, you know, when somebody is actually um, takes a charge against you. So, so uh, the taxpayers, so let me tell this to you. You as a taxpayer, guess who's going to be paying for these charges? No. The, so, so for somebody to, to actually institute a charge against you is taxpayers' money. So anybody who brings a charge, will, it will be funded. It will be paid for. They don't have to pay their lawyer. And you know how many activists are out there who are, have been waiting for this day to really hammer the church and, and bring all sorts of actions against the church? They're going to use your taxpayers' money. Um, and, you know, cases can go to court for years and years, Dwayne. You, so you can be caught up in, in, in legislation, in an action, a court action for two, three years. And and it can cost millions, millions. You know, if you some, some advocates out there, they charge tens of thousands per day and it can cost up three, four million uh, just to get one case through. The independent candidates case was very expensive, you know, so we all need to really give a. Uh, a round of, of thanks to those who were involved in that because the litigation was extremely costly, cost mm. millions and millions of, of rands. And so wh- where is an individual, if you have to defend yourself, Dwayne, as an individual, where are you going to get that money? Where are you going to get that money to defend yourself w- with an action that may take months or years and cost millions of rand? And yet the person who is bringing a case against you, which may be entirely frivolous, and vexatious and having no merit they can hold you up in court for years using taxpayers money it could even be like an act of vengeance somebody who just just doesn't like you or you fired somebody for stealing and they now bring a case against you say no discrimination case and there's no merit to it no factual merit to it but just for purposes of vengeance they can go and bring a discrimination case against you and they will be funded the state is going to fund them with your money taxpayers money and you will have to go and defend yourself there your business may end up failing and all of that you know i mean and, and that may actually force our hand to say we don't want to pursue legal actions can we please settle outside exactly. of court the bottom line is whether you settle or whether you pursue legal actions this is cost to the company it's cost to your church yeah. which can be the downfall of the church financially absolutely 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 like you say and so you may and you may just end up settling and so what that means also is that People, some people who think that, you know, they need money, people can actually invent because you're not going to suffer any penalty. You understand? You don't have to pay. Ordinarily, if you had to bring a suit against somebody, you would have to pay for it out of your pocket. So that acts as a deterrent to any frivolous actions. But now, but now the state is going to take your money, taxpayer money, and fund somebody to bring an action against you. So some people maybe who are unemployed or have nothing better to do can just think up charges against you with no merit just to say that. Now, you, you didn't speak to me nicely the other day's discrimination because the color of my skin or whatever it is. And they can draw out the court case for years Absolutely. to come resulting now, into thousands exactly. of legal expenses. They're not losing anything, especially if it's an unemployed person bringing a case against you. They have everything to win and not everything to gain and nothing to lose. But Reva, apart from the financial implication, what, what other implications can there be? Can ministers be locked up for this? Can churches be closed for this? Yeah, I mean, there can be an interdict. Well, there are a number of different options. They can bring an interdict against you. There can be a fine and, and you know, like you say, all those aspects around prison. I mean, we, we do have to look at the whole act when it's finally passed to see exactly what the, the punitive measures 
are, are that are going to be imposed will be. But I mean, it has serious ramifications. If you are a business person, like I said, and you are caught up in a in a in an action like this, it could effectively shut down your business. By the time, I mean, you would have to spend so much money defending yourself in court, and by the time you get out of the case, even if you win it your business probably would have shut down and and you know that's it so it has huge huge implications um and like i say because it's the second most influential and important piece of legislation it means all the other pieces of legislation whether they're dealing with property uh and land whether they're dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with all those pieces of legislation will be subject they will be benchmarked to the Papuda. Against the Papuda Act to say is this discriminatory? Is how the land the land distribution or whatever is it the, it'll be benchmarked um against the Papuda. It's like a plumb line. It's like the measuring line. So everything will be measured against Papuda to to measure whether what was done whether it was through distribution of land or whatever property issue, whether it was through selection of employees, hiring of employees is going to be benchmarked against Papuda. Was it discriminatory? How did you select your employees? You know, and so you may have selected them according to the needs of the business. Well, I need somebody who's qualified in this area. And then somebody brings a charge and say, no, you didn't. You hired me because I'm this color. You, you, you didn't hire me because I'm this color. Papuda, you know, kicks in. And so your business, is, so they're, they're huge, huge ramifications. It's like, for example, even people might ask, um, is this really so big? Let me give an example. People, yeah. people a while ago said, I'm not going to make my voice heard for unisex toilets. Yeah. And we saw the unisex toilet as an individual cubicle that your son or your daughter can walk into, close the door, and we said, that's not, that's not major. Because yeah. my, my, my kid will still have its privacy. But along with unisex toilets came the right for a boy to stand up today and dress like a girl, and a girl to stand up to dress like a boy. Yeah. All of those things came with the package. Yeah. And we only concentrated on, oh, Papuda is not that bad. Oh, yeah. the, the toilets are not that bad. Right, right. What about the rest that in, in, that's intertwined the into yeah. the Papuda? Absolutely. And I mean, you're talking about the whole thing about toilets. Mm. Well, what if I am a pervert? I'm a crazed pervert, and I decide that I'm going to dress up like a girl. I'm a male, but I have issues. You know, I, I I have issues and 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 all sorts of stuff, and I have cra- some crazy problems. And I go now because now the law and the policy says that if I believe I'm a certain gender, I can use this toilet. So I, any male can go into a female toilet now, and actually have his way with young girls in the toilet. Young girls are not protected, and if he's caught there. In the toilet, he can say, no, but I believe I'm a female, so I have a right to use this toilet. You know? This is in a country that GBV, gender-based violence and rape, a woman is raped in South Africa every three minutes. We have the highest rape statistics, um, you know, it out there in the world. Um, instead of providing protective measures for vulnerable young ladies, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa declared in September 2020 a state of emergency in this nation because he said because of gender-based violence, women are being raped and killed after that. Well, now you're opening the toilets to them. You are making it easier for any rapist, any male to go in there and do what he wants to do and then claim if you catch a male there and he says, no, but I believe I'm female. How are you going to kick him out of that toilet? But the church says this has got nothing to do with me. We don't want to be part of politics. Yeah, yeah. This is what we are allowing for keeping our voices quiet. But politics, you know, and I think I've said this before on this radio station, is again, if you do a study and an etymology of the word politician and you Mm. go to the original Greek word, politimiao, it actually means responsible good citizen. That's what the word politician in its original text means, good citizen. So we, nobody can go out there and say, I'm not a politician. If you are a good citizen, you are a politician, whether you like it or not. 
So we need, it's time for us to stand up and to be that voice. And, um, you know, let me say this to the church. God is going to hold us accountable. The only thing that is needed for evil to thrive is for good people to remain silent. And this is not the time, church, to remain silent. This is the, I, I've come to a point, Dwayne, and I'm, I'm going to say it loud right now. So, I've come to a point where I've just accepted that even if it means I go to prison, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to go to prison for doing the right thing. The godly thing. The godly thing. If it means that I'll be thrown in prison, I really don't mind. It will be for a good cause. So we cannot stand behind fear. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. I'm praying for the body of Christ right now that we will rise up in that power and that we will rise up in love as well, but also with a sound mind. May we go out there with a sound mind. May we not be wimps. May we not be chicken. May we not hide underground. May we not misrepresent the kingdom of God. May we truly be those ambassadors of Christ that we've been called out to be, to be disciples of Christ who represent the kingdom protocols and the kingdom agenda. It's time. It's time for the church, the body of Christ to stop being wimpy. We need to be a voice out there and we need, we listen, we can vote. We, we, we have the majority. The municipal elections are coming up. And we need to show our displeasure. Why is it that politicians come to church? You know, just before the elections, they all go to the churches. They all go to Rama and they go to all the big churches and the mega churches. And, you know, hello, praise the Lord. And they pray a prayer. Why? Because they know how powerful the church is. They go there for three weeks. They don't go to church any other time. But just before the elections, they go to all the mega churches, big churches. And I those, wonder why. And the mega pastors will be receiving them and posting their pictures with them on Facebook. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. President so-and-so has come. Listen, it's time for they understand that we have power and it's time for the church to exhibit that power and show displeasure through voting we need to vote and we need to say if we are displeased with the government we are going to vote and the independent candidates case you know we're busy rallying up candidates out there righteous rulers who will stand for what is right servant rulers and leaders who do not only come out when it's election time but who go into the community who are not going to be taking funds that do not belong to them but will go to the community to feed the vulnerable to feed the helpless mm. we go to Mamelodi every week we've adopted families a 33 Fam, uh, family of 33 fam, many families we go and feed the communities with money from our own pocket that's what the state is supposed to be doing not taking covid funds of 500 million funds and looting those coffers they're supposed to be feeding those vulnerable people so this is the time i mean i, I I'm, I'm yeah as you can probably hear i'm getting upset now. i like it i like it i like it <laughs> preacher sister listen Reeve, we've got five minutes left and i want to spend some time on what's the church's responsibility now but if, yeah. if this isn't is or this whatsapp that i just got represents your daughter i want you to listen to what the girls in south africa are saying yeah. that's listening right now they say that i do not want to get dressed for sport in front of a boy oh in the girls' God. bathroom. Oh, my God. This is a teenager girl. She's 17 years old, and oh she just sent God. us this message. Oh, my Good for you, This, this is the voice of, of the young children that says, we do not want to be in this position. Mom, Dad, if you're listening, Pastor, if you're listening, oh a church God. member, if you're listening, this is the voice of teenagers that says, sure. please go oh. and do what is needed. We don't want this. Oh, my God. Oh. Right, so, Rev, just so for interest's okay. sake, we will yeah. be distributing this podcast around South Africa to the church world if you want to get a hold of me or rev paul coupe please do so yeah. uh, rev will be on my show again on the 26th of july yeah. excited about that rev we've got four minutes left yeah churches are listening now pastors yeah. are listening now yeah. where do we go where do we go not sign the petition yeah where do we go submit no an individual submit an individual submission go for it what do we again, do again i want to acknowledge forest a because initially the submission deadline date was may the 31st which is why you know Last time we, I think we were, I was here on May 7th. Yeah, and then we, they actually got that postponed, right? Because absolutely, of all the submissions. Absolutely. So it's been postponed now to June the 30th is D Day now. 
It's literally 16 days from now. Absolutely. So June the 30th, you've got, uh, what's today? The 14th. It's the 14th. So two weeks and two days. Two weeks, two days to make your voice heard. And that means going, making a submission. Like I said, it's very easy. It's been simplified now. So all you need to do is go to the 4SA website, www.4SA, that's F-O-R-S-A dot org dot Z-A. So www.forsa.za. You go in there, look, you know, search for Papuda, Papuda Bill, and then look for the template. All you need to do is just use the template and make your submission. We've got to collect. I mean, in a nation of 60 million people where we are said to be 80%, Really? 83% Christians. 83% Christians. Where are we? I mean, we, we should pro- not have less than at least 40 million, you know, submissions. But even if we can get a million signatures, I mean, submissions. Submissions. That, that <laughs> would be, that would be great. So you need to do that. And before June the 30th, I also want to invite you. Um, to we're going to be hosting another Zoom meeting on Friday, the 18th of June. I've just sent you the flyer for that, Dwayne. So if you could put that up also with the, the podcast, it's going to be myself and uh, two colleagues of mine, uh, Prophet Janet Brand-Hollis, a good friend of mine, um, who is with SA Back to God, and another good friend of mine, Dr. Shimi Kotu, who's been fighting anti-regulation for many, 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 uh, for a couple of years now. So the three of us are going to be hosting 4SA on Friday. And Michael Swain is going to be addressing us again on Papuda. So if you miss this podcast or you miss or you want to listen again or you want want to invite people to come and listen and hear what's being said, Michael Swain is going to be talking about Papuda on Friday, 18th of June, 7 p.m. The flyer is out there. It's got the meeting details. Please feel free to join us um, on Friday. I'll make sure also to distribute this on all the necessary pages, Radio Pulpit pages, my personal pages. Please go check it out. Rev, can you believe a time caught up with us? Yeah, well, yeah. The Next two time, of us. The two of us in time. We're not good at that. I know. Next time we need to talk about the polyandry. I was thinking we might get to polyandry, but you know, the, the Marriage Act, of course, there's certain amendments that are being made to the Single Marriage Act. We did talk about it last time, but um, the one thing that's also been, they want to introduce now is polyandry, which is that women can marry more than one husband. So that'll be our next topic, maybe. Well, the church world once again got to tune in for that. <laughs> well, I think we're going to make more churches aware of when you are on air. Yeah. So I think we should go a bit more public with the ad, ads and stuff for our show. Because sure. uh, um, I think the church world needs to be informed. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Rev, I always enjoy spending time with you, <laughs> and I can't wait for the next time. In fact, I think we're going to talk off air. We're going to perhaps do one or two things together, me and you. Yes. But we'll talk off air. Let's do that. Right. Well, Let's guys, on behalf of me, uh, Rev Paul Capay, and my beautiful wife, Andre, next to me, who yes. accompanied me to the studio Very tonight. Very beautiful wife. <laughs> um, we want to greet you guys in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God would not lead us to this if he's not willing to lead us through it. Okay. If he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. So take these words and do something about what we discussed tonight. Until next week, same time, same place. Bye-bye, guys. Awesome.